Why are you nervous? Because of the coronavirus. Do you want to go back to school in September? Or do you want to stay online on Zoom? I want to go back to school in September. So you don't want to do it on Zoom anymore? No, never ever. These are the voices of parents, sons, sisters, brothers, talking to us about how they're dealing with homeschooling during this pandemic. The coronavirus has changed every aspect of society, and kids aren't exempt from dealing with it either. I'm Malika Bilal, and this is The Take. Children, we're taught, need structure, routines, rules, and they go to school to learn many of those skills, including how to interact with others, how to share, and in general, build their character. But since schools have moved online, parents are now in charge of making sure their kids are learning and meeting those goals. We wanted to know how this sudden shift in routine might affect a child's development, and what families can do to make kids feel safe and supported. So, we asked an expert. My name is Jessica Dim Bartlett, and I am Director of Early Childhood Research and a Developmental Scientist at Child Trends. Dr. Bartlett is based in Massachusetts, and her research focuses on the well-being of children and families, especially when it comes to trauma and resilience. Obviously, when we're talking about child development, the types of skills and concepts that kids learn varies very greatly from year to year. So for the sake of this conversation and narrowing in, we're going to focus on children between the ages of three and eight. So the ones who are just starting school. What kinds of social skills are kids developing at those ages? It's such a formative period of development and the entry into school, as you know, any parent can attest, is a big moment. And so many of the skills that they're developing have to do with being in a new atmosphere. So being able to learn, being able to sit, being able to follow directions, being able to be with their friends and not be distracted while trying to learn. A lot of that has to do with learning skills of self-regulation. Dr. Bartlett says that at this age, children are learning to control their thoughts and feelings, things that can become distracting when it comes to paying attention in class. What kinds of routines or activities actually help with that when kids go to school? I think there are several aspects to school that are really, really helpful in providing scaffolding for learning. They are learning many, many more things. They're learning physical development, they're learning emotional development, and they need a structure that can carry all of those things. So one of the most critical pieces is just to have some structure to the day, just to have a sense of this is when I'm going to learn, this is when I'm going to play, this is when I'm going to eat, this is when I'm going to sleep. The basics are what make kids feel secure and ready to learn. 
And one thing I've noticed is during the COVID pandemic, parents are feeling a lot of pressure to homeschool in a way that is best for kids. And it's not always so clear what that is. So some parents hear this idea of routine and schedule and, you know, make up a schedule every 15 minutes and are on top of their kids or, you know, and things kind of devolve because, you know, that's a lot of pressure for both parents and kids. So you don't want to be so far on the rigid end that it causes additional stress and which then would take away from a child's ability to learn. But you want to have enough so that kids feel like, I've got this. I know what's happening today and I can focus on what I need to. It is so fascinating that you say that structure is so important in that because as anyone who is around kids or has kids knows that this pandemic has upended so much of that structure. Now with school closed for a large chunk of time this year because of the pandemic, some kids have been able to tune in online for some of their classes, maybe an hour or two. But they are also mostly isolated at home. So how does that isolation play into this and affect their social development? This is one of the oft-forgotten pieces of what's happening for kids right now. We're very focused on their learning, on making sure they don't lose ground. But really what they need is social connection and not social isolation. And in some ways, it's really too bad that the kind of catch term we're all using during the pandemic became social distancing. Really what we want to achieve is physical distancing for health safety. But for emotional safety, we need to avoid social distancing. And so that can look lots of different ways depending on the age of the child, because, of course, a three-year-old's need for a connection is quite different from an eight-year-old's need. So what's really critical is to make sure there are opportunities to remain connected with the people that are most important in the child's life. What I always say to parents is, even a few minutes here and there, five minutes sitting on the floor or, you know, talking with a child about something that interests them, scattered throughout the day can go in a really long way. It doesn't mean that you have to be with your kid, you know, 10 hours a day sitting, you know, doing exactly what they want <laughs> to do or teaching them. The isolation of physical distancing can be a strain on kids. But we wondered how they might be feeling about COVID-19 itself. So we reached out to parents who shared some of their conversations with their children about this very topic. I'm Julian. And I'm Marcia. And we live in Brooklyn, New York. And we've been quarantined since March. Crazy, right? <laughs> now it's June. That is crazy. Julian is six years old. His mom, Marcia, and his dad have been working full-time from home. And Julian has been learning full-time from home. On a quarantine, we were we are working and learning. I've been doing math, and it's been hard to do it at home. But I like but I like being at home. Marcia and Julian had an open conversation about how he's been dealing with the pandemic. I remember you telling me that you wanted to build a portal so you could go back in time to before quarantine started. Yeah. Would you still do that? Maybe. Maybe? 
ill. For a little while, you were kind of nervous about going outside, right? Yeah. But you're feeling better now. No. No. Why were you nervous? Because of the coronavirus. Yeah. Um, and it was a big struggle because every time we'd try to go out, you would start crying. Yeah. Because of the coronavirus. But we're a little better now, right? Yeah. Yeah, we spent a few days at the park. That's been really nice. We know that this period of isolation and and this pandemic itself comes with extra stressors. So fear of COVID-19 itself is a stressor for kids. They're hearing all these new words. They're seeing their parents' stress. Their parents are adapting to a new normal of working from home and often also homeschooling. And now that it's summertime here, becoming the summer camp counselor as well. So how do children internalize all of that? The answer to that question is complex in that it depends on the stage of development. It depends on whether they have prior stressful experiences. It depends on the intensity of the experiences that they're having during the pandemic. We're seeing a real uptick in family dysfunction and difficulty. So intimate partner violence and child abuse and neglect and parental and mental health and substance abuse all tend to rise during natural disasters and we think pandemics as well. And so the indicators are really telling us that there are a host of families who were already stressed and there are families who may have been kind of right on the edge. And in turn, Children pick up on that. They're incredibly keen observers of what's going on. One-year-olds can can recognize parents' facial expressions. And so parent well-being is so intimately tied to children's well-being and in turn their readiness to learn because if they're worried about their parents or they're taking cues from their parents about whether this is a safe world, then, you know, they may be more focused on that issue than they are any type of learning they might be doing. My name is Courtney. I live in Columbus, Ohio, and I have been working from home since about mid-March. I have a three-year-old. There have been many days where this whole situation has bubbled up, and I think that This is possibly the first time in my life that I've experienced real depression, especially when my husband was still working. Um, When we were both working and trying to take care of our three-year-old, there were days where just nothing got done. It felt like parenting was going really poorly and work was going really poorly and things would just kind of come to a head. The reopening has been really hard on us because even though we've started going back to playgrounds and taking lots of sanitizing wipes with us and all of that, we think it's been a little bit even more stressful to him because he has to think through all of these things that he never had to before. So he kept saying when we went to the playground again, everything's better, everything's better. So excited, but everything's not better. And I think that that is really a signal from a three-year-old, you know, that adults are getting to is that because things are reopening, everything's better when when it's really not. So that's that's been hard. So practically speaking, what then would you advise parents to do when they are feeling stressed out because of the time we're living in? Should they keep that inside their own bedrooms, not let that spill out in front of the kids? What does that look like practically? 
I think many families are trying to find the balance of how do you have conversations with your children about COVID and, you know, what's going on in the world and have them in age-appropriate ways and at the same time not oversaturate kids with this information. So really important to protect kids from adult conversations where there are a lot of big feelings coming up that adults aren't, understandably aren't yet very regulated about, right? So those, yes, behind closed doors, but you also want to engage kids in the conversations and, you know, to help them think about ways that they can be helpful citizens as well. Some children face additional challenges in their development, which requires a different approach. So what about children with special needs? Are there things that we should think about specifically when it comes to parents who are now at home 24-7 with their kids with special needs? Kids with special needs certainly have their own unique needs and challenges that come up when they are not in the school environment and don't have typical sources of support. And a lot of kids who are struggling kind of need that everyday reinforcement and practice in certain ways. There are wonderful specialists that work with kids uh, with disabilities who, you know, really understand how to help them learn and not lose ground during these periods. And we should be capitalizing on that knowledge as much as possible. So we reached out to a specialist. Christina Blanco is a pediatric speech-language pathologist in Miami, Florida. We asked her how kids and parents are adapting to this new reality when it comes to the specialized therapies their children need. These children that I work with, the majority have autism. The dynamic has changed in therapy because now it's not just me with the child, but it's almost me coaching the parent, which is is hard for the parents sometimes too. For another adult to tell them how to help their child is, it could be new, they could push back against it. Sometimes they're receptive, sometimes they're not. But there is a hopeful prospect, the kids themselves. I will say that the children are much more resilient than <laughs> I think anyone expected them to be. I think the beginning of quarantine was very hard. It was an adjustment for everyone. And as this quarantine has gone on, it's become a little bit easier. So now I have parents, I'll pick up the call and they'll be like, oh, I tried this that you taught me last week and they did it on Saturday. And I'm like, that's great. Versus I didn't see so much of that because they weren't as involved. So we've seen people tell stories about their children who are now throwing tantrums when they weren't before, emotional outbursts coming out of nowhere, seemingly. How is this related to the pandemic and how could the pandemic be causing this behavior? So I don't know about you, but most adults I know, if you took them out of their everyday work environment without their choice or consultation, put them in another environment where someone else is in control and their entire day is different, you know, that would be disconcerting to anybody at any age. So children are especially challenged when they are removed from that sense of safety and security. So what's really critical is to rebuild it 
it won't be the same. The goal shouldn't be to kind of mimic an exact environment that they used to be in at home. This school year is gone for most in the Northern Hemisphere and just beginning for many in the Southern Hemisphere. For the parents we talk to, they're already thinking about how they'll cope if another school year goes by with children at home and how they'll balance their own work life with their children's school life. It's almost impossible for me to do my creative work while also trying to homeschool my child and spend the entire day with him. Rebecca Henderson lives in Denver, Colorado, with her four-year-old son. It's just, it's taking its toll on all of us. For me, I feel really stalled in my work. For my son, I can see in his behaviors that he is really lacking socialization with his with his peers. We've signed him up for a couple of, of classes and things like that, but he he doesn't necessarily listen to the teacher or do the activities and, and he sort of cries. I just don't see how going to school and sitting six feet apart, I don't I don't know if it'll be worth it for us to send him to kindergarten where they go on some kind of schedule and then we're also risking getting the coronavirus, which, you know, myself and my husband are both in the high-risk category. And so we have a lot of hard decisions to make. I can't imagine doing this for two years (laughs) until there's a vaccine or whatever. It's hard to say how many seasons school-aged children will have to remain physically and socially distant from their peers, their teachers, people they love. But Dr. Bartlett has reimagined an old adage as a tip for getting through what might come next. What can parents do? What do you recommend they do? If I had to focus parents' attention I would focus them on what I call the three R's, reassurance, routines, and regulation. And what I mean by that is, first and foremost, they need reassurance about their own safety, the safety of loved ones. Very young kids are really most concerned about what's happening to me today or tomorrow. Older kids might have more of a sense of what's going to happen in six months when school opens again or doesn't open again. But they need reassurance that 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 adults are thinking about these things and going to take care of it. They also need to maintain predictable routines. So that's the second R. And then finally, the third R is regulation. And that's really about helping kids find ways to manage big feelings when they come up. And that could be doing something like helping them deep breathe or engage in movement, having some quiet time, making sure to check in to see how kids are doing and to help them talk through feelings and figure out how to use those feelings in productive ways. And Dr. Bartlett also reminds us that it's okay to acknowledge we don't know all the answers and that this moment is challenging. But sometimes it's the more fundamental things that prevail. 
I think we need to lead this conversation and continue to lead this conversation with kindness and flexibility and the understanding that we don't know what's going on behind closed doors, right? We never do. And when you add stresses like this, we can assume that that it'd be we'd be hard pressed to find anybody who isn't struggling a little bit. It sounds cliche, but actually these are the most important times to be kind to ourselves, to be kind to our children, to be kind to our neighbors, and to just give everybody a little bit of latitude. And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Priyanka Tilbey and Ney Alvarez with Dina Kispe, Alexandra Locke, Amy Walters, and me, Malika Bilal. Natalia Aldana is our engagement producer. Alex Roldan is our sound designer. Stacey Samuel is The Take's executive producer. And Graylin Brashear is Al Jazeera's head of audio. Thanks to all the families who shared their stories with us. If you have a story you want to share, get in touch. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at AJTheTake. If you haven't subscribed to the show yet, go to this episode's description. You'll find extra information about the topic and more. We'll be back 